Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Now, last week when I spoke to you, I told you how you can be happy by staying connected to God through prayer. And I said there are five things that we need to do every day. Do you remember what they were? Perpetual prayer, petitionary prayer, powerful prayer, perpetual prayer, and purposeful prayer. And that helps us to keep connected to God because in Him is the source of everything. But we also need to stay connected with one another because there is tremendous joy that we get from each other. And the way we do that is through being merciful. Pope Francis said that mercy is the wellspring to peace, serenity, and joy. And I truly, truly, with all my heart, want every single one of you here to experience this peace, serenity, and joy, but it takes mercy for that. Are you ready to be merciful? Good. Let me begin by telling you a story. Now, it is a story that, like all the other stories, like most of the stories you're going to hear tonight are stories that you've heard before. And probably when you hear them, you will say to yourself, oh, I know that already. Very good. But along with saying, I know that already, I want you to ask yourself, if you answer, say the same thing, I do that already. Because it's not just knowing that matters, it is doing that's important, okay? And the first story is about this man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They stole all his possessions, they beat him up, and left him half dead by the road. Now, a priest walked by that road, and he saw this man, but instead of helping him, he crossed over to the other side. Then a Levite came along, a man who knew Scripture, probably as well as you do, but he too, he didn't do anything to help the man. He crossed over and walked to the other side. Then a Samaritan came, an outcast, people generally shunned by the Jewish leaders and everyone else of the time. He had compassion in his heart when he saw this man bleeding, this man wounded, this man in distress. So he went to this man. He applied oil and wine on his body. He tended his wounds. He bandaged them. Then he put him on his donkey and took him to an inn where he let the man rest And he told the innkeeper to look after the man while he took care of all the expenses. And he said, I'm going to leave from here, but if there are additional expenses, I will take care of them when I return. Now, Jesus told this story for a reason. And the reason was this. A lawyer once went to him and said, Master, what is the secret of eternal life? And Jesus said said to him, All the answers are in Scripture. You know the Scriptures. What does Scripture say? 
And the man replied, Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said, there you have that. You know the answer already. But the man wanted more. He said, but who is my neighbor? And then Jesus told the man this story. And then at the end of the story, he said to the man, so who is the neighbor in this story? And I want to ask you the question, who is the neighbor in this story? Don't be afraid. The man who showed mercy. And then Jesus said to the man, go and do likewise. How many times have you heard this story? I know when you heard it, in your mind you went, I know this already. My God, how many times am I going to hear the same story again? But as I told you in the beginning, the question is not whether you know the story. The question is, do you do what the moral of the story says you should do? And who among these three men are really you? When you walk past somebody who's struggling, when you walk past somebody who's depressed, when you walk past somebody who's sick, somebody who's lonely, somebody who's in jail, somebody who's broke, do you stop to tend to the person or do you cross over to the other side saying to yourself, hey, that really, it doesn't pertain to me, so what have I got to do with it? Let me mind my own business. Now, the world is too big and too large for us to do anything about. So we don't need to look at the world, even though there are people who do. Last year, I'd gone to Calcutta, and I went to visit Mother Teresa's home. And I saw the sisters over there, and so many volunteers tending to people the world has given up on. Little babies, the mentally challenged, physically challenged. And they go to these people and they tend them, they look after them. They can't do anything. They wet their beds, they soil their clothes. They cannot walk, they cannot function. But here you have people who tend to her, tend to them. Years ago, Mother Teresa, as a young nun, went walking through the streets of Calcutta. And she came across a man who was dying on the streets. And she thought to herself, nobody should be allowed to die like that in squalor and utter poverty. So she carried this man who was covered with sores and took him to the nursing home where she personally tended to him. Several years ago, I um, just became a Christian and I came to this parish and the priest over here asked me to read about the life of St. Francis of Assisi. And I read about how one day he was on his horse and he was going through the streets of the city and he saw a leper and he was revolted by the sight of the leper because the man was totally disfigured. But Francis did something very strange. He got off his horse and he went to the leper and embraced him and gave him a kiss. And I believe that is the instant Francis's life changed forever. A few months after that, we did a documentary on a guy called uh, Father Damien. He basically went to Molokai in Hawaii and uh, served in a leper colony over there. Again, selflessly because he had compassion for these lepers. Eventually, he would contract the disease himself and he would die. Now, I'm not asking you to be like Francis. I'm not asking you to be like Father Damien. I'm not asking you to be like Mother Teresa. But I am asking you to reach out to at least a few people 
that you can and you don't need to look far. In your own families, spouses are strangers to one another. Children are alienated. Brothers and sisters don't speak to one another. In our offices, people are struggling, sometimes with major things, sometimes with minor things. We don't even look towards them. In our prayer groups, prayer groups even such as these, where we talk so much about love and caring, people aren't really bothered about what happens to the next person. We can make a little difference, and when we do make a little difference, what happens? Our own lives start to change. Our own lives start to bear fruit. Our own lives start to become more peaceful. Our lives tend to be blessed. And if you seek the blessings that I am promising you, you will get this year, this is one of the things that you need to do. You need to be merciful. And why not? You know who the Good Samaritan in the story really is? It's Jesus. He was walking along the road one day and he saw you wounded. He saw you bleeding. He saw you dying from the weight of your sins. He saw the enemy, how he tortured you and tormented you. He saw how you struggled with depravity, hurting people. He could have walked by and let you perish, but he stopped. He stopped. He came to you personally. He came to you. He held you. He bathed you in his own blood. And then he carried you in his arms and he took you home where he said, the price is paid by me. What was the price? The price was every drop of his blood because he had mercy upon you. Pope Francis also said, Jesus is the face of God's mercy. And if you want to look at mercy, all you need to look at is face. I always wonder, I always wonder, if he's merciful to us, shouldn't we be merciful to others? If he's loving to us, shouldn't we be loving to others? If he extends forgiveness to us, shouldn't we extend forgiveness to others? If he accepts, extends accept, acceptance of us, shouldn't we extend acceptance of others? And yet sometimes we kind of think it is only us that need the mercy and the rest of the world can go to hell. All of you know the story of the prodigal son, so I'm not going to repeat it, although I almost feel like repeating it. But what I want to tell you is when the prodigal son went home, having lost everything, stinking and fetid and dirty and his father came running out and took him into the house letting him feast of whatever was there nothing more is mentioned of the prodigal son after this but I sometimes wonder to myself when other people came home did the prodigal son say to them, no, stay away, you're not welcome? Or did the prodigal son not also, because he was touched by the mercy that he experienced from the father, go out and extend this same mercy to others? But we're not merciful. 
we bear grudges, we hold vindictiveness in our hearts and our minds, often for lifetimes, not willing to forgive, not willing to let go. Now, Pope Francis has declared this year the anniversary year of mercy. And when he was doing this, he had in mind an Old Testament practice when every 50 years there would be declared a jubilee a year of uh, uh, mercy. And during this year, what would happen is slaves would be set free. Those who had debts had their debts canceled. People who sold their, pop, uh, their property because they couldn't afford it who had their property returned to them. Now, during there's also another thing that happened in the old times, and that is every seven years, the crop was allowed to rest. It was a commandment. You'll find this in Leviticus 25. Nobody was allowed to harvest anything for that year, letting the soil regenerate, letting the soil become more fertile. Now, when the Pope declares this as an extraordinary jubilee year of mercy, what he's doing is giving us an opportunity to use a year to restore ourselves. And the best way to restore ourselves is to reconcile ourselves to God and to reconcile ourselves to one another. Reconciling ourselves to God is very easy. All we need to do is go to God and say, I'm sorry, Lord, and he forgives us everything. But reconciling ourselves to one another is a little more difficult. But we need to do that because blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Do you seek mercy from God? I need a volunteer. Sister, can I borrow you? Come. Come, come, come. Is that your husband there? Okay. Are you a faithful wife? Okay, I believe you. Come here. Let us, however, imagine that she's cheated on him. Okay. I know her husband would be pretty mad at her. Probably furious. But the strange thing is, not only will he be mad at her, almost everyone gathered here will be mad at her too. This happened in Jesus' time one day. Just like I hauled her in front of you, he was there when a bunch of people had hauled a woman because she had committed adultery. And everyone had stones in their hands waiting to stone her. Unfortunately for her, Jesus happened to be there at the time. And Jesus said to everyone, I know she's a sinner. And she needs to be stoned because that's what the law declares. And you're free to stone her, provided you don't have any sin in you. And every stone dropped. Now, for a second, imagine you are this woman. And in a way, we are, because all of us sin. And sometimes, if not very often, we get caught in our sins. 
And when we are caught sinning, what is the one thing that we seek from God and everybody else? And everybody else? Mercy, no. We want God to forgive us and we want people to forgive us. I know she's not unfaithful because she's a good woman, but if she is unfaithful, I know the first thing that she will want is forgiveness from God, forgiveness from her husband, and forgiveness from all those who call her their friend. Wouldn't you? Thank you. Wouldn't you? Everybody. But yet when somebody falls, we're the first person to throw a stone. Yet when somebody hurts us, we're the first people to declare they will not be forgiven and we'll carry that debt for the rest of our lives. I'm going to tell you one more story that I've told a million times before. But sometimes we need to listen to these stories a million times, over and over again, till we understand the lesson that God is trying to teach us. Be merciful as I am merciful to you. There was a servant once who owed a great deal of money to the king. And the king was settling accounts. So he sent for these servants one by one. And finally there stood this man who couldn't pay back the king his debt. So the king ordered that he, his family, and everything he owned be sold to pay back what he owed. This man dropped to his knees in front of the king and said, Please have a little mercy on me. Please have a little pity on me, a little compassion on me. Give me a little time and I will pay back what I owe you. The king must have felt like laughing because the debt this man owed the king was so huge. Even if he had 10 lifetimes to pay it back, he wouldn't be able to do so. But the king was merciful and he took pity on his servant. And he said, I forgive you your debt. Go. This man you think was happy? I bet he was happy. But then he goes out and he come, comes across another man who owes him a little bit of money. He catches this man by the throat and says, pay me what you owe me. Pay it now. This man says, please give me a little time and I will pay you back. Whatever I owe you, I will work extra. I will give it back to you right down to the last cent with interest. But this man knew no mercy. Those are exactly the words scripture uses. And he had the guy thrown into jail. There were a few people around who saw what had happened and they were outraged. And they went and told the king, this is what this man did. And the king was furious. And the king sent for the servant and he said, you wicked servant, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And that is what Jesus is saying to you here tonight. Aren't you going to have mercy on the people who hurt you just as I have had mercy on you? I'd like us to begin this year by showing mercy to those who have hurt us. If for no other reason than to secure the blessings of God for ourselves. I want us to declare to him here tonight that we're not really adopted children, that we really are his children. Because what does Jesus say? What good is it if you kind of love those who love you? It is very easy to love people like that. But to really show that you're my child, love your enemy, love those who persecute you, love those who hurt you. Because your Father in heaven sends down rain on everybody, good or bad. He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't distinguish. And this is what I'm asking you to do here tonight. Forgive everybody. 
Get everybody off the hook and see the joy and peace you will experience the moment you do it. Instantly. Instant grace. You know why? Because the moment you forgive people who hurt you, you're showing yourselves to be a child of God and you're doing something that only God can truly do, which is forgive. Because forgiveness is really divine. Forgive people here tonight and see the wonderful things that start to happen. And I know it's not easy. Let me not even pretend that it's easy. Spouses hurt us constantly. They can't help it. There's something about being with a person time and time again that every single flaw of that is so glaring. The only response seems to be anger against it. And they seem to know, as I've said a million times before, every button in you to press. And they will press those buttons. And what do we do? We retaliate. We get angry. We get upset. And then when we get upset and angry, the first words we heard are hypocrite. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you been told that you're not a good man or a good woman? By the very person who should have been there to lift you up and build you up. What do you do? Slap your spouse a couple of times hard. Walk out of the door and say, I'm not going to return. It doesn't work that way. Try something different. Go to your wife and say, does all this make you happy? Try doing it tonight. Go to your husband and say, you've beaten me all these years. I've taken your beating. One more slap is not really going to hurt me so much more than all those hundreds of other slaps I received. Go and take one more. Why don't we try doing what Jesus did? He never hurt anybody, did he? He only spoke about love and the kind of things that I'm talking to you. And we beat him, 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 and if that wasn't enough, we crowned him with thorns, and if that wasn't enough, we made him carry a cross up a hill, and if that wasn't enough, we crucified him on that cross. And so his last words were, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. The people who hurt us, whether they are husbands, or our wives, or our children, or our parents, or our relatives, or our friends, or our neighbors, or those we pray with, they don't know what they're doing. So try it. Try it here this year. If they've already done it and they say sorry to you, don't hold it in your heart. Don't, don't keep it as a grudge. Forgive them immediately. It's not easy to forgive. I know. Sometimes we're hurt so badly we want to isolate ourselves from the world, from people near to us. We just don't want to have anything to do with them. Stay there. And I'll stay here simply because of the peace that it brings us. So we don't have to listen to their words over and over and over again. Just stay there and I'll stay here. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be disappointed by people. You count on them, you trust them, and then they let you down. 
They let you down badly. I know what it feels like. And a part of you wants to hurt them. Part of you wants to hurt them brutally, not just a little bit. You want to take a club and go at them. I know what that feels. You're in desperate situation and your boss throws you out of your job and as if things are miserable and now things get even worse. And there's anger there, deep, deadly anger. And forget about taking a bat and going at them. Now you want to take a gun and go, Shh. I know that anger. What do you think would happen to you if God felt that way about you? The times you have let him down, the times you have cheated on him, the times you have hurt him, the times you have betrayed him. What if he was to come with a bat instead of love and just let you have it? And all he's saying is, I'm merciful to you. Will you not be merciful to others around you? So let us begin this year by truly releasing everybody, setting all the captives free, especially those we hold prisoner. Because you do hold prisoner when you have people that you haven't forgiven in your heart. I don't know how many people hold me prisoner. So many people who don't talk to me. So many people who don't see me anymore. There's so many people who treat me like a pariah, even though all I've done is love them. And they hold me. They hold me until they let me go. How many people are you holding? Thank you. Uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces. So many people. Can we let them go here tonight? Can we, please? Choir. Stand up for a minute. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this evening. I want to thank you for the words that you're saying to your people. It's a new year, and I'm sure the people were expecting a happy talk. I would leave them cheery and happy and jumping and clapping and the rest of it, but I know you don't want to give them a superficial happiness. I know you want to give them a real joy. It burns deep within the hearts, their minds, that you change their lives forever. And I believe the only way they can do this is if they act like you act, and that is to extend mercy to those who might not be deserving of it. I know there is a lot of pain, and I know that even as I've been talking, a lot of people have been blocking their hearts, clenching them like a fist, involuntarily maybe, not consciously maybe. But I know they rebel against any idea of reconciliation. Like them, I know what this feels like, Lord, to want nothing to do with certain people in my life. So I understand their rebellious nature. I understand how angry the very thought of forgiving someone who's caused so much pain 
maximum the lord i know that you are here that your presence is here that your spirit is here he the living water and i just pray that this living water starts to flow for a little bit so that they at least become receptive to your word and be ready to do the things that you're asking them to do so i ask for the living water to flow on and to take away their pain bringing your healing to their hearts to their minds and to their souls as we sing living water flow on Jesus and believe that he's here. but with the eyes of your heart look at Jesus He asks you to look at the people who hurt you the people you're holding right now chaining them with unforgiveness Don't shy away from their faces. Look at them, even if you don't want to see them. Your husband or your wife, your brothers or your sisters, your parents, your children, your friends, your colleagues at work, whoever it is that's hurt you. Look at them. Don't push the anger down. Don't push the anger down. Look at all of them, as many as you can. Look at the ones who hurt you the most. 
really is difficult than just look at one person whom you really are angry with, who really has hurt you a lot. Simplify it and look at that person and at this very moment in time. Reach out your hand and touch that person on the cheek. And say, I forgive you. I forgive you with all my heart. You are free to go. And see in the freeing of the person how free you yourself start to feel. Jesus looks at you again and says to you, Thank you. In doing that, you became really like me. In doing that, you became the face of my mercy, just as my face is the face of God's mercy. Be my face to everyone in this world and see how blessed you become by what you do. And he gives you a close, warm embrace, kisses you on your forehead, and he says, I love you, my child. I love you very much. Please be seated. Now, there are three aspects of mercy that I very quickly want to run through. One of them is compassion. I saw compassion in this community last year when I got a girl who had um, a problem with her kidneys. One of them had failed completely and she needed a transplant. And after that request, there was so much of outpouring of generosity that she is now able to go and undergo treatment, which she is at this very moment in time. And I know God would like to thank you, and I would too. Really, I'm touched by what you have sacrificed to make a girl live. And for me, it is very simple in how I determine how to act towards somebody else. I simply ask the question, how would I like others to act towards me? For instance, in this case of my daughter, my own daughter, was going to die because her kidneys had failed. Wouldn't I want someone to help her to get another kidney from somewhere? And then it becomes very easy. No. The Samaritan, the start of the Samaritan, the man who was wounded on the road, if I was attacked by robbers and beaten and left like that, wouldn't I want somebody to stop by and help me? And when I think that, it becomes very easy to know what to do if I see somebody lying on the road. If, as I just described, I get caught in a sin like I illustrated with my sister there, wouldn't I want people to forgive me, including my spouse, for what I did? And if that is what I expect for myself, then... It becomes easy to extend that same forgiveness to others. Are you seeing what I'm saying? 
It is all very simple when you put it that way. When you put yourself in the person's shoes, the person who's suffering, the person who's in jail, the person who's lying in a hospital bed with no one to look after, no one to come and see. I've been in jail. I was there only for a short time. Nobody came to see me during those days. How lonely I felt. There are people in jail who have been there for months and years without anyone coming to say, hey, how are you doing? And I'm so grateful that the church has a ministry and the many other people, including some who are present over here, who go and visit these people in prisons, who go and visit these people in hospitals, who go and actually welcome strangers into their homes. But I want us to do this not on a one-off basis, like, you know, when there's an appeal, but to make it part of our lifestyle, because I'm telling you, you will feel blessed every time you share, every time you give, because blessed are those who give. I have one sister over here who's, who's simply wonderful in giving, and I know she's going to be tremendously embarrassed when I ask her to come and share a few stories, but I really invite Sister Miller to come forward. Come here, please. I know, don't shake your head. Come here. She was supposed to give the talk today. And she um, phoned me a few days ago and said, I think you should give this talk. And um, I don't know why she told me that, but I felt uh, maybe I should because um, I had things to say that were very personal. But... If there is a person who extends mercy towards people who are in trouble, it is this child. Now, I know it will embarrass her to testify, so I'm going to testify on her behalf that she's never, ever hesitated to help a person who needed financial assistance, even if her own finances were not very good. I know she's helped people build churches, not just one or two, but many of them around the world. I know she sometimes goes to laborers who are working opposite and where she stays in the hot sun and cooking food for them and taking and giving to them. And I look at her and I marvel, I marvel at the spirit that she has in her heart towards the less fortunate. She's recently started going to prisons as well and trying to comfort the prisoners over there. Now she's been out of a job for quite a long time. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose for everything and he has a plan and purpose for this too. So I pray that she doesn't get discouraged or despondent and from everything that I see from her, she's just the joyous person she always is, even though sometimes she does grumble. But then we're entitled to a little bit of grumbling. I do that all the time. But even despite not having a job, every month she will come and contribute a sum to this ministry. And I think, wow, I, what if everyone were like that? Even when they don't have anything they want to give. And when I think of her, I think of the widow. One day there was Jesus who told this parable of, the collection box going around and there was this rich man that kind of reached into his pockets and took out one coin and boastfully put it there. Look at how much I'm giving. And then further down there was this poor widow who had nothing except one little mite. And she took it and put it in the box 
And Jesus said, the man grudgingly gave that little bit out of his wealth. But that woman gave out of her poverty. She gave all she had. And sometimes I really feel like laughing when people debate whether to give 5% or 10% or 2% or 15% or whether they should go to ministry or should go to a charity or should go for God's work. And this widow gave 100%. She gave all she had. And God is not interested in your 10% giving grudgingly or even your 20% giving grudgingly. Keep it. Keep it because you, you will reap what you sow and you keep that to yourself and you're not going to get anything out of it. But when you give, he promises, give and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap for the measure you use will be the measure given unto you. Give 100%. I give 100%. All my time, all my love, all my energy, it all goes to God in service of his kingdom. And I'm happy for it. And I want you to be happy for it. Not just one day in a week or one day in a month. I want you to be happy every moment of your lives. And be like this little child. She doesn't have anything, but she has God, and that is everything. Don't you think? Do you experience serenity in your life? Yes, I do. Do you experience peace in your life? A lot, praise God. Do you experience joy? Don't answer that. You just need to look at her face to know that she has joy. She's milu milu. She's my milu milu. <laughs> Jesus sometimes is kind of hard to imitate. He's up there, and a lot of us think we can't be like him. Sometimes we think we can't be like Francis of Assisi or Mother Teresa, even though the people just like us. Forget about Father Damien who goes and lives in a leper colony. Sometimes you think you can't even be like me because I'm this hotshot preacher who travels around the world. Forget about me too. How about being someone simple like this child? Thank you. That applause means nothing to her. Really, it doesn't. She never did it for it because whatever she does is done so quietly, nobody knows. But I want us to be people of people who give. And you don't need to look far. People here in this community struggling. <laughs> oh boy. Why do we have a meal after the session? To get you to come? We give you the meal so that you'll have some time to talk to each other. And not banal talk, talk that means nothing. A talk that goes beyond, tell me how are you, and if anyone's in difficulty, then can I help you? There's a young man who met me just before I started preaching, and he's sitting at the back of the church somewhere, and he needed help. And I want to help him. I'm not going to tell you who he is. I want you to find out who he is, and I want you to see if you can help him.
Similar for everybody out here. Everyone out here. In this year of mercy, let's be the face of God's mercy, just like Jesus is the face of God's mercy. And whenever somebody sees us, let them just see Jesus in us because it's mercy that sums up the mystery of the Christian faith. You study your faith long enough and you will see it's all about mercy. It's all about God's mercy to us, undeserving, useless bunch of people. He should have blown to smithereens, but instead had pity on and had compassion on. We, on the other hand, oh man, oh boy. <laughs> Let's not do that anymore. Let's not do that anymore. Let's be merciful people now. Okay? Waleed has hundreds of people to forgive. Waleed, you better get started soon, man. Okay. I normally don't do this, but I'll take a question. Why not? You could ask. Although when you give, you give without expecting to get anything. All right, I thank you for asking that question because it brings an important subject. When you give, it's the pleasure of giving, one. When you give, don't expect anything from the person in return. That way, one, you will never get disappointed, and if you're not disappointed, you will not get unhappy. So when you give, if it's money or it's a favor, hasta la vista, baby. Imagine it's gone forever. If you get it back, which is very rare, yeah, in my experience, to get back something that you've lent somebody is very, very rare, consider yourself blessed. But then know that every single thing that you give to someone without getting anything in return, it's a reward from heaven. So you will. And you will, yes. And you will. So this is what um, I'm asking you to do here today. Now, there's a beautiful song where we see God's mercy, but in turn extend God's mercy to others and invite the choir one more time. We have time just for one song. Uh, hang on, hang on. Uh, maybe, maybe we don't need that. Testimonies. Last week, about a dozen people were healed here, and I know because some of you actually admitted to being healed, and if any of you is brave enough, I pray, God, please, put some courage into this, my brothers and sisters. I want to come forward and share what God did with them last week? There was a uh, story of two uh, young men who were in Stanford University, and they didn't have money to pay their college tuition. So um, during that time, there was this guy called Paderewski, who was a, a musician. He happened to be in town, so they thought uh, if Paderewski was willing to come and do a concert, uh, they might be able to make some money. So they uh, spoke to Paderewski's manager, who said his fees were $2,000, and it's quite a large amount in those days. So um, uh, they thought about it, but then decided that God was on their side. So to go ahead and have this concert, you know, and uh, they would use the profits to pay for their tuition. But as fate would have it, uh, they ran at a loss. Uh, forget about getting a profit. They didn't even make $2,000. They made $1,600 that they promised to give Paderewski. So... 
The two of them went to Paderewski with uh, the money uh, and a promissory note for $400. And they told the musician that they would spend the rest of their days trying to make sure that that money was paid back to Paderewski. Paderewski looked at these two men, asked them what they needed the money for. And then he tore up the promissory note. He gave them back the $1,600 and said, you take whatever you need for your tuitions and your other expenses and give me back whatever is left and forget about what you owe me. The years passed and Paderewski became the prime minister of Poland. And very soon after he became prime minister, they were hit by a war. And during the war, thousands of his citizens were starving and there was only one person who could help and that was the president of the United States. At that time, it was a guy called Herbert Hoover. And Paderewski kind of contacted the president and said, could you uh, help us out? And the president instantly sent thousands of tons of food and provisions to Paderewski. After this was taken care of, Paderewski went to meet the American president and he said, thank you very much. And the president of the United States said, Paderewski, I don't think you remember me, but many years ago, when I was a student in need, you helped me. And there was no way that I couldn't help you. And I want us all to remember the story, the people that we help, you know, to answer your question, even though they might not be able to return what they owe you when they want, one day they just might at the moment of your greatest need. And there is no favor, there is nothing that we do for anybody that will not get rewarded, both on this earth and in heaven above. And that is what I want us to remember as we sing this song, as we conclude. Yes, sister? Come, we get ready. Choir. Testimony? You got healed last week? But I couldn't hold myself back. Um, this has just been happening last week. Uh, my son has been, he's four years old, and uh, because of the weather outside, uh, he's been having, uh, his wheezing has gone up from the last one year. Uh, I mean, last one month, uh, it's gone extreme case. You know, very often doctors visit in the last one month, and uh, he was recently put on a one-month course to start inhalers, which we never wanted to use. But then uh, doctor told to start that, uh, not twice a day. And every day, uh, you know, from the past uh, three weeks, we've been getting this, you know, wheezing, uh, you know, sounds. And uh, me and my husband always worried. Middle of the night, we have to just get up and nebulize him. But what I noticed from past one week, and I have also, you know, parallelly started the Jericho March prayer. And today is our sixth day. But uh, from the past three days, uh, three or four days, I've, we've never heard that wheezing sound on my son, though we... We've been continuing the uh, treatment on him, but that wheezing sound that I used to hear every day, at least every four hours in a day, that wheezing sound has, uh, you know, uh, gone off. And um, this is what I wanted to come forward and testify. And I have my belief that he will be healed totally from all his allergies and his asthma. Thank you. Anyone else? See, one or two people start and come, Brother Rarun. Let's put our hands together for him. <laughs> Hello everyone, happy new year to you all. Of course it takes a lot of courage to stand here, to testify, I've got a lot, lot many things to testify what God has done to us. But today we were talking about some financial uh, blessings when we give and what we receive. 
uh, it reflects me the uh, thing which has happened a year back, or not a year back, uh, maybe one and a half years. We were in a prayer meeting in Sharjah, and one family, one girl was bought. She was uh, met with an accident. She lost her. She was going for an interview. She met with an accident and she broke her legs. She was not able to walk. Even her husband had to leave the job, or he had he was terminated from the job. They had no income. And they were suffering. When I went there for prayer, I was just out of a financial loss of a million dirham that some company has taken away our money and ran away from this country. I was in a desperate situation. Me and my wife were there. Um, when I saw their situation, we went to the ATM. We saw it was around 4,500 or 5,000 dirhams. This is not for my pride I'm telling these numbers. But what happened after that, which was very important. So we drew the money and we gave it to them. We, don't, we were not knowing who they were. We just gave this money and we walked out. But the next day, uh, I was in a desperate situation. I was not knowing how to come out of the losses for just uh, come to the company. A customer of mine is calling me. He owed me money, which due to the company. The moment uh, I got his number, I was surprised because I was waiting out of his outside his door for months together to get this money. So I ran away directly to his office. He paid the money what he owed me for the company. Then he saw some trouble in my face. What's, what's your problem, he asked. These are the words he asked. You know, sir, uh, financial trouble there. Uh, how much you need? I told him 4.5 million dirhams. Next day morning, he gave the check of 4.5 million dirhams. It was not normal. I can only say it's supernatural. Power was working behind this. And I've got many more what has happened after that. There will be a time where I can share this. Uh, thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you. I know that's a true story because uh, I've been counseling with him right through his financial difficulties. And um, what happens to him can happen to all of us. Okay? Yes? So it doesn't matter what's been damaged, what's been broken, what's been lost. There's nothing that God cannot fix. And the one thing I know about Sister Mildred is that God has not forsaken her. That God is just for whatever reasons. His reasons are good. He's letting her go through this because I know he's going to bring her stronger and brighter on the other side. Same for all of us. Okay, let's sing. Stand up. song
our failings and our sins we thank you for your forgiveness which we don't take for granted because it came at a huge price the price was every drop of blood but even as we accept your forgiveness with gratitude knowing that we've been set free we extend this same mercy and forgiveness to others in our lives we know this will take some time for us to do but we ask for you to be with us in the days that follow and as we spend time in prayer as we learned last week you will teach us how to do this in a way that will become almost automatic Lord thank you for this time that we've spent here with you tonight thank you for the words that we heard thank you for speaking to our hearts and thank you for bringing us to a conversion of spirit and soul, mind and body. We thank you for being a wonderful God that you are. And we want to praise you as we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. 
God bless you.